Welcome to the Women's Likely Weekly Podcast. We've got to a bit of a different setup this week. Yeah. We're both in person, face to face, looking into each other's <laughs> eyes. It's actually kind of awkward that I'm looking at you in the face. Usually I'm just looking at something else on the Zoom screen. So. Oh, you don't look at me. No. Why I'd not? be too distracted. But <laughs> you're just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I mean, yeah. Well, now you get to gaze upon me yes. in my very where are we my da- what would you call this room dining room dining room you're in my dining room I've forgotten everything I'm quite tired you're probably more tired than me <laughs> yes if we sound a bit loose it's because I took about a 36 hour train journey <laughs> to get here yesterday um, and we're in person so it's just hard to be serious we're just so giddy about being reunited after and did you last see each other? Two, two and a half months. It was World and you Worlds, wasn't it? Yeah. So that was also quite a fraught time. True, true. Last time I saw you, a few hours later, I was driving <laughs> off to a French hospital to rescue Sam. Yeah, so, so none of that this time. No, please. Um, okay, so who have we got on the podcast this week? This week we have Cara Lilly, who founded recently something called the undaunted project which you may have heard about our colleague betsy welsh who was also on the podcast a few weeks ago um reported on this in velo news it's a new project um which is set up to support kind of a mentorship system for women who are in cycling racing at, at kind of any level like it's about trying to make it as a career but you don't have to be trying to aim towards pro and yeah it's gonna be a mentorship program for women in North America for the moment and she's got a lot of pros on board who are gonna run um, about four months of regular mentoring for 30 women Um, and so yeah we kind of just wanted to speak to her a little bit about that about how the idea came around what the project's gonna look like um a little bit about Cara herself she's a Canadian cyclist she is she started cycling kind of later in life so that's where she's coming from um with this in that it's something to help you get into it if you don't come from a more traditional background. So, yeah, we spoke to her all about that. She makes reference quite early on in the podcast to something called the Home Stretch Foundation, um, and it's not fully explained what that is. So, Amy, do you want to just explain to the listeners what that is if they don't know? Yeah, so the Home Stretch Foundation is a non-profit kind of, what would you call it, a organisation mm. in, based in Arizona in the US where it's basically... They provide housing for aspiring female riders or actually current pros as well, maybe? I'm not sure exactly. I think it depends on your level. I think the uh, the idea is that it's for women who aren't currently being paid yeah. in cycling. Yeah, yeah. So it's just about providing yeah, somewhere to live and train for female riders. So kind of a similar, similar vein. But um, yeah, just to clear up what that actually is. Um, and also before we move on to talk about the news of the week, um, I feel like we it would be remiss not to kind of make some kind of reference to the goings-on in our industry this week, mm. which we'll talk about at length in the newsletter with more articulate thoughts. Um, because right now it's kind of like, there's not really much to say other than it's 
shit and yeah yeah we don't fully know like really what's going on and yeah I don't know and also that we really appreciate all the support for women's cycling Weekly. yeah everyone who is a subscriber is a paid subscriber because we don't know what our future is going to look like with the changes that are going on at different publications so we are feeling very lucky to have something that's our own and isn't going to be affected by some big CEO in America. So we do really appreciate your support. Um, Which, we, yeah, wouldn't be possible without without the subscribers, um, especially the paid ones. Super grateful for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, just to kind of reference, like, you know, that Cycling Tips and, and Kaylee in particular um, was super supportive of this podcast uh, this newsletter in the beginning and hosted it on the cycling tips website and i think quite a few people came over from there so yeah it's just it's just really sad and really crap um but yeah i'll actually put down some coherent thoughts about that in the newsletter later on but just to make a reference to that so it doesn't seem we're kind of ignoring it or pretending it's not happening so but yeah onwards anyway this week's news um yeah, we've been saying for a few weeks now that things are getting a bit quieter. They are definitely getting a bit quieter. Um, I suppose the biggest, most dramatic thing to have happened this week is that SD Works have had several bikes stolen in a burglary, which they described as, what did it say? On brutal the, burglary. A brutal burglary, which, which sounds horrendous. Um, not sure if that's a language thing, though. Yeah, I'm hoping that it didn't mean that anyone was sort of... Bludgeoned. Yeah, I assume not. But yeah, we don't know too much about that. We don't actually... Because they're on a training camp, or they have been on a training camp in California, but their base is presumably in Europe. So they haven't really said where that happened, but there was a lot of bikes stolen, which could... Which would be very expensive to replace and Mm -hmm. things like that. So they put a little um, call out on social media about looking out for the bikes. So yeah, we kind of hope that that's not too big of an issue for SD Works. Yeah, for sure. Um, elsewhere, some more not very great news, unfortunately. Um, Lakol Wahoo have had a sponsor pull out for 2023, which has left almost yeah a 400,000 euro gap in their 1 million euro budget, which is yeah almost half. So that's really not not good. And just it would be such a shame. You know, the, this team's been kind of on the brink of collapse a few times now, but it's always like managed to rise up and come back so like just really hope this doesn't doesn't spell the end of it not least because they've obviously got a lot of riders signed for next year because yeah they they've they're really i think on a trajectory like up an upward trajectory like towards the world tour and they're doing it in a really sustainable way and they really look after their riders so yeah hopefully they can find find a new sponsor to plug that gap next Speaking of more team, who knows what's actually happening with B&B Hotels. Again, I think we said this last week. Already. That is the question of the off-season. What is going on at B&B Hotels? Um, we heard quite a while ago about this women's team that they were going to set up and Audrey Cordon Rigaud is meant to be the kind of lead rider. Um, recently, in recent weeks, that's kind of faltered a little bit where they possibly have some gaps and sponsorships and a lot of the riders on the men's side have been told they can look for new teams. But the team manager, Jerome Pino did say this week that he has not said that to the women who are signed for the team. So they seem to think that the women's team is a bit safer. Obviously, it needs 
probably a slightly smaller budget than the men's team, um, but that kind of all remains to be seen, and it's getting fairly late in the day for things to not be confirmed. But yeah, we'll keep you updated on what goes on with that, and hopefully, Audrey Call and Rago will have a ride for next year. Yeah. Or, as I posited, maybe, maybe she'll cover Chantal Black, but then we also talked about how she probably yeah. won't. Anyway, not, anyway, it's not getting that into that right now. Um, just, yeah, so as not to have just, like, a heap of sad news, let's talk about some signings. Um, American cross-country mountain biker Gwendolyn Gibson has been signed to Track Factory Racing, um, so she'll join former world champion Evie Richards and Olympic champion Yolanda Neff for next year, so that's great for her, good to see them bringing on some more talent on the women's side. Um, and elsewhere, Jumbo Visma have signed three young talented riders and um, they picked up so after Dilda wrote about Zwift Academy on <laughs> Wednesday and we weren't sure whether Maud who won it last year had a ride for next year turns out she's got not just a ride but a pretty good one at that yeah announced the very next day there I was yeah. thinking oh no she's not got a contract no she's moving to Mariana Voss's team they clearly <laughs> so yeah they've picked up um they said something funny did you see this in their kind of release about it they said about um talent or success needs to be earned not bought a little bit of a dig at maybe some teams um so yes they picked up two 18 year olds and a 19 year old really focusing on their development um but yeah that was a little bit of a spicy comment yikes yeah i Um, guess maybe that the thing that comes to mind immediately with that is uh sd works by lorena weavers exactly and the um there used to be a little bit of an informal agreement between Yamba Visma and Park Hotel Valkenberg, mm. but now SD Works are snapping up all the talented Park yeah. Hotel riders. So if you like a little bit of the behind-the-scenes gossip and <laughs> drama... Which you do. Which I do. <laughs> that's that's the little tiny bit of beef you might have picked up on this week. Damn, okay. So aside from Mal, they also picked up... Oh my God, I can't pronounce <laughs> this girl's name. I'm so sorry. Nienke Wienhoven okay. and Rosita, that's a very Spanish name, Reinhardt. Reinhardt. We can all do that one. Okay. We'll learn them. Both 18 years old. So, yeah, definitely definitely focus on the development stuff there from them. Um, I think that's all we've got this week. Yes. Very fun intro. Nice to be here in person. But let's get back to the world of Zoom and listen to Cara Lily about the Undaunted Project. Welcome to the podcast, Cara Lily. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, and where are you right now? You're in Mallorca, I believe. I am. I'm in a little town called Porto Sawyer in Mallorca. It's perfect. It's like nestled in the coals. That's nice. Great for cycling as well, I imagine. Yeah, it's perfect. Like it's like ideal riding. You you can't go anywhere without climbing, but that's that's sort of great. Yeah, that's what makes everyone so strong when they go there on training camps and stuff, I guess. So yeah, we're here to talk to you today about um, Undaunted, which is a new mentorship program that you've founded. Um, I guess let's start from the beginning, kind of where did the idea come from? What motivated you to start it? So Undaunted is a, a mentorship program for aspiring female cyclists. We're starting with road. And it really came out of two drivers for me. The first was that when I tried to go pro a few years ago, I was just sort of 
I had no idea what I didn't know. And, and there were so many areas of my own development that were, that went well, but other areas that did not go well. And, um, the amount of challenges that I faced trying to come up in the pranks or the, the pro ranks first in, in crits and, and with road racing, it was just so much that I, I wanted at some point, um, a mechanism for, for women to much more easily get the, the knowledge and the community that they needed to actually progress. Usually when you're like a newly minted cat too, you, you sort of arrive and then you have like no idea, like, what do you do next? Right. So that, that was a major driver. And then the other driver was just when I was in my twenties, I, had a, a mentor who sort of changed my life and it was a profound experience for me. So I wanted to create ways that we could connect like people who really need help, needed help um, to people who wanted to give it. And how long has this kind of been in the works? Has it kind of come around quite quickly or has it been a long, long built project? Um, came up with the idea in, in August of this year. So fair, fairly quick turnaround. We, we and, and the entire thing has built up like extremely quickly. So I think I started speaking to specialized in September, and and they're our first and biggest sponsor. Um, and yeah, it's November now, and we've launched, and we've had just a huge amount of interest. Um, so that's a yeah pretty quick build. And you you touched on um, having your own mentor. Um, and how important that was for you. Um, and I believe you came through the Homestretch Foundation. Was that part of the inspiration for Undaunted as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I I was stayed in Homestretch 2019 and 2020, and they just, like, from not knowing anybody in, in the professional field to, like, being living with them and seeing what it was like to actually be, an elite athlete like I got an amazing experience it it was super powerful um and I I'd like to do that with Undaunted as well the difference being of course that with Undaunted we're doing primarily online zoom sessions with mentors um with many many mentors um and home stretch is a much more intensive experience where you're actually living there but yeah definitely big big inspiration and again, you kind of touched upon it slightly, but to kind of be more specific, like what are the big uh, challenges and barriers that kind of aspiring pros face and kind of the things that you've helped in your own life, kind of you've bridged the gap through mentorship, but what are those big things that kind of people might find that they're missing? Uh, that's I guess it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it really is a lot. Um, so all of the things that you might not know. Okay, so you, firstly, what takes you to perhaps like an elite level is not necessarily the same as what will help you rise to the next level. Mm -hmm. So um, like, it is so important to be a good teammate and to show up well. Um, so there, it, So that's a, like, as a starting point, it, just having the knowledge, okay, how, how do I approach teams? How do I conduct myself when I'm at a race? How do I be a good teammate? How do I um, represent 
sponsors well? Like those are all big questions. And then like the core fundamental stuff you also need, right? So nutrition, mindset, um, how do you pick a good coach? Like these are, these are some fairly big questions that people struggle with. And so like we had, we have 30 spots available in the program and we had 289 applicants in a week. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the need um, and the applications that like what people wrote in their applications for why they're actually applying was really like all over the map, but in really every case inspiring and, um, and pretty profound. I guess in some ways um, we have a little bit of an assumption that you, you kind of learn some of these things on the job, but actually with kind of the nature of, of teams and you might only be in one place for a year and you race all sorts of different things like that's not necessarily true but do you think it's kind of important to have something like outside of the team structure to to kind of fall back on that's like always going to be there whether you have a contract or you're racing or not I think it matters because so one of the challenges especially for an athlete who goes pro later in their career when they're older is that you just don't have endless opportunities, right? Like you need to show up well sort of from the gun and you might not get do-overs all the time. So it's really, really important for you to sort of have basically the right um, attitude and approach from the start. And it, it and cycling such, you know, as much as it's grown and as much as there's huge interest and, and fans, um, the, it's a small community especially in women's cycling. So who you are, how you show up really matters and how you present yourself really, really matters. Um, And if you don't have, if you don't have that like sort of outside guidance, you might make mistakes that you could have avoided. And really the other thing is that teams, even the most inclusive, well-supported, great cultured teams will still have some, you know, you you might not feel comfortable asking certain questions within your team environment. And you might want to go outside that environment and say, okay, well, like, what do I do in this situation? Like, how do I respond to that? And to your point of, yeah, you sort of expect people to learn on the job. Absolutely. And there's going to be that regardless. Um, but why not save yourself some struggle and heartache if we can't, especially when the journey, you know, like females don't make, very much money in the sport coming up and so like that's really hard it's already hard why not just help each other out and make it a bit easier and you talk about how it's already hard for for women in the sport it's particularly hard for people from non-traditional cycling countries like North America Australia places like that so because this this mentorship program is aimed at North American riders is that right yeah, it is. So I'll be honest, the main reason we have it at North American Riders is just time zones. So we just needed a, an easy mechanism for everybody to get on a Zoom call. And we had interest from the UK, Germany, South Africa, and France this year outside of our North American group. And we're not going to be able to take them this year, but that just tells me that, you know, this kind of program would have legs outside of North America too. But yeah, for sure, North America has some growth room so we needed something yeah and kind of not to to dwell on that too much but there is kind of a at the moment it seems as if the racing particularly the road racing scene in North America is is struggling quite a bit um 
so I guess you know like most of the racing's in Europe so although obviously the mentorship is needed everywhere um I suppose it's perhaps more needed for those who aren't coming into the sport from the traditional kind of backgrounds like Belgium or places like that yeah I think that would be fair I think that'd be fair to say especially like like I come from a small area in Canada and there is no such thing as a large peloton size in Calgary Alberta like you, you just ride with the men right so how do you go and then start racing in the U.S. and then how do you go start racing in Europe that's it it's just a huge learning curve and very few people locally will know how to do that so you need you really do need somebody to say okay whereas I guess if you're in Belgium it's such a huge huge sport it's much different yeah so kind of coming back to to the project itself can you tell us a little bit about who is on board in terms of the mentors I know there's some names that we might recognize and kind of how how they became involved yeah sure so um we have a dozen mentors and they're pros at different levels of their journey. Some are like super new into their journey. Some are like Lauren Hall, you know, as a classics winner and a multinational champion. Um, she was the first mentor I asked actually. And she was like, I, I love her. She was an immediate. Yes. She was just like, this is a great program. Let's do it. Uh, and then from there, you might know uh, Maggie Coles Lister, who is a uh, multinational champion in Canada and a track superstar. Um, Emma Langley is the U.S. national champion, and they're they're involved with the project too. Um, we have Caitlin Conyers, who's a multi-Bermudan national champion, who is also a goes um, the Zwift Academy finalist. So she uh, she is one of our mentors. So we have uh, people from sort of like the, who have exited their careers, who have been pros, and then we have five national champions. And then we have people who are, who are coming up. Our goal is to be able to service many kinds of people in their journeys. So maybe the Cat 3 looking to get to Cat 2, the Cat 2 looking to get, go pro. And then we have some people who are basically pro, but looking to go world tour. And so we're hoping to be able to provide value and support to a whole spectrum of, of women and women, not just from a young age, but also to older ages too, because especially as you get older, you, there are fewer and fewer support programs for your development. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's obviously, you know, the, the top rider in women's cycling right now is 40 years old and a lot of a lot of women come into the sport quite late and there's actually almost less support well there's definitely less support because you know when you're young you've got like development programs to go through or you don't need to try and like support yourself because you have parents to support you or something like that so it's a harder path to tread but then also there's a lot of talent that that is then falling through the cracks in terms of women who start later so that's good to see support coming for women who yeah come into the sport at an older um what am I saying come into the sport later <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah no that I agree 100% agree right so I, I, I didn't start riding a bike until I was 30 like not at all uh, and then Lauren Hall for example started cycling at 28 
she, she went pro by 30, but like that, that's way, way beyond anybody's remote interest in you in the development program or the national program. They just, you're not interesting to them. So you, there, we need other, that's fine. It is what it is. And we need other mechanisms to be able to find the talent, nurture it, and then support these women, many of whom, yeah, they do come in and they have great trajectories and they just, it's pretty hard. You still need to eat. You still need to learn these things. Yeah. What you were saying before about helping people on, on kind of different stages of their journey, like, is it important to you to kind of not just focus on turning pro because being a cyclist, being a competitive cyclist is kind of more than whether you want to be pro or world tour. It, it goes further and wider than that. Is that kind of something that is in, in your focus for the project? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like the biggest so for sure, we target people who are interested in going pro because there are just no resources for those people. So we want to provide that. But we also have people who just want to be excellent in the sport and are trying to do something incredible in their own right. And and that's important. And the sport isn't just whether you're pro or not. It's about finding your own limits and growing as an athlete and becoming something more than what you thought you could do. And yes, we're definitely looking for that definitely want that. Hence, hence sort of the spectrum of who we're looking for in our applicants. The one thing we really want to see is hunger for growth. So somebody who really says like, I, I want this. I really need this. This is why here's where I want to go. And um, sometimes that's an inspiring story that has nothing to do with going world tour. And so with the, the amount of applicants that you've had, how how are you kind of narrowing that down? What's the process? So we just got through round one, which was, so I have four <laughs> wonderful mentors who are basically who volunteered to go through everybody's applicants or applications. And they've sort of scored them on the different um, questions that we had, mostly where are you in your cycling journey? Where, um, what do you feel is your biggest barrier? Why do you want this program? That, those kind of questions and then the next round is going to be um, a vetting process with that same team of team of athletes they're they're great I don't know how I would possibly do this with without them joining in and so then is it December where you'll kind of have your 30 decided and then where where do you go from there how is it all gonna kick off so we have so we'll know uh, in November who who's going to be in the program um, we've decided to start in December with Lauren Hall and she's sort of going to kick off all the mentorship. And then we're going to have three to four Zoom qu- uh, calls every month and it'll be a different mentor and a different initial topic. But then every we're leaving space in every session for specific questions to that to that mentor. Um, so we have. For example, Paige Kostanecki from Butcher Box is just somebody with an unbelievable mindset. She's just got maybe one of the best attitudes in the North American Peloton. So she'll be speaking with about mindset. And then we have a nutritionist who will also speak pretty early in the sequence about the importance of certain processes of, of nutrition. Um yeah, and then it'll go probably until March, of, like in that in that structure. We're still thinking through what kind of system will follow it. 
And then for the women that don't get selected, we're, we are going to offer them some sort of like undaunted light where they get um, exposure to a couple of the fundamental calls like mindset. Um, and that is so that the 250 women who don't, you know, get selected still, still can come on board in, in some capacity and can feel supported. And you've got the support of um, specialized and some of the partners. Um, just tell us a little bit about kind of how that came about and how important it is to have the support, because I believe um, you originally had 20 spots and then it uh, rose to 30 after some, I'm not sure if it's specialized or other partners came on board. So obviously, yeah, they're making it possible. Yeah. So so Specialized provides support directly to our athletes. So they're really our launch partner and our athlete support partner. The pledges are, uh, they are $200 pledges that go towards opening up spots. They help cover the actual costs of running the program. And they have been entirely grassroots fundraised. So like bike shops, um, some teams like Project Echelon, which is the mail team, gave a, gave a pledge we have individuals, uh, we have a whole bunch of people just from around the community basically saying, okay, we want this, we want to do this. And I put out um, a post basically saying we're at 20, like help us get to 30. And they, within a very short period of time, rose to create more room for the women, which was so awesome. Um, But Specialized was probably the fifth individuals last organization that came on board to undaunted which is i think pretty incredible because they're a huge company um and we had nothing to start with and they were basically like yep that sounds good let's let's go in let's support your athletes um so not only obviously they're offering credibility but they're giving athletes you know valuable gear and and bike support and um that's just it's huge both for this year but also in years to come definitely I think it's really good to see big bike brands kind of reaching into their pockets for not just pro racing and sponsorship that way but also just grassroots stuff and supporting every level of cycling and projects like this so well and I mean you would not believe the I mean I've had hundreds of conversations around Undaunted and most people are like what what are you doing like we'll wait until we've seen it actually launch um, so to their credit, they were like, yep, we're in really quickly. Like, and um, both the US and the global team know about us, which is sort of unreal. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's yeah. Really good. Yeah. And also so nice to hear that, um, you know, local bike shops and stuff like that have given support. I think that's just a real testament to the cycling community and how strong it can be. Yeah, agreed. Like, like people have been there are a couple times where I saw pledges or messages come through that like, you know, made me emotional because I'm, I'm sitting there. I have no idea who this person is. I don't, I've never heard of in Vela Veritas from California, but they're, they're making a pledge um, and stepping up so that some woman, but they have no idea who they are is going to get support. I just think it's super cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And and does it feel like, I mean, I, I imagine that you've kind of been in and around the cycling community for long enough to kind of understand, but does it feel like there is a changing tide on these things and that the belief that 
women and other underrepresented people should be included and supported kind of it, does that feeling feel like it's swelling I feel like it does from our side on like the journalist side that there's just this belief that yeah we should step up to support this in in whatever way we can I mean I I've seen that through this launch like this launch has sort of blown me away right both in the applicant interest and also in people just that I've never met coming to the table um like uh, for example we had I had a conversation with the owner of Project Echelon, which is a, a team here, and he hadn't started a women's team, but he was looking for a way to support women, like he was actively looking. And so for him, this was, okay, perfect. Let's just like, let's do, actually do something. Um, and so I think, you know, there's a big difference between saying you're supporting women and actually making it happen. And a lot of people are, are, it seems to me, like at that, that point where they want to actually act. And you, you see the same thing? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, we see a very top end of it, like in terms of the, the pro side. But even, you know, the amount of, of work that's come our way and from publications that want to want to put the money and effort behind this growing thing and telling these stories and the number of subscribers we have that are just interested in, all levels of women cycling and yeah we kind of it almost now like the the pro level of it is the least interesting thing to us in some ways and actually looking at all the other levels and what's coming up and supporting that because you only have the top level and the pro level and what and what we kind of focus on because of everything that happens below it right so yeah I think there is a real kind of widening of the net and it's not just about having 10 world tour teams anymore it's about kind of building a, a pyramid um if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense like having a depth underneath those world tour teams that is like a thriving community of, of athletes and and people coming up um yeah that's that's awesome yeah we always talk about how it's a refrain on this podcast and our newsletter on the other podcast we do about the importance of development because there's been a lot of attention at the very top of women's cycling in recent years but not so much at the lower levels which is where all this talent is coming from so it has to be nurtured and supported so yeah well and it's there are some like very very significant financial differences between being a world tour female athlete and a pro conti or just below that even so how do you actually make it to that next step when you still have to have a job, when you're maybe you're like on a pro conti team and you're making 5k a year, like what are you really, how are you going to make that next level? How are you going to train enough to do it? Like it's, it's fairly, there are challenges. So it's good to see any initiative and any company that wants to actually sponsor people who haven't made it yet and who need the help. Um, at least at least that's my bias. Yeah, and kind of thinking kind of long-term and big picture, what is kind of like your dream that the project will achieve? Like, is it that one of your kind of alumni turns pro or is it just that you support 30 women to feel more confident and empowered? Like, what is kind of your, yeah, main kind of wish for the future of the project? That's a big question and it if you had asked me a couple months ago, I think my answer would be different because mm. it's starting to evolve. There's just seeing the traction is 
definitely its own source of feedback for me. Um, so I really would like to see a, women being able to chase their own like wildest dreams and then turn around and do the same for another, for somebody else. Like I'd like to have some ripple effects. And so part of what we are doing in Undaunted is not just giving them these like amazing mentors, but also sort of welcoming them into a community where there is an expectation actually of, okay, like, and what are you going to do to then show up in the sport well and build a bigger community? I don't know where that exactly leads us. Um, So for sure, I think that some of the women that are applying that we have started to narrow down will go all the way. Like they're really impressive um, people. Um, So I think that like, I'm sure that's going to happen, but the bigger goal and mission is about the entire sport. And I mean, like not diluted, like we're just one small area of it, but it would be great to be a vehicle for women to feel like they can represent the sport well and to build community and then turn around and do that with others so that, yeah, we have that groundswell of, of athletes who, who feel empowered. And then, yeah, like, I'd love to like, you know, whether it's geography or disciplines, like I'd love to expand it too. Well, I guess one other thing that our listeners will probably be interested in is how can they kind of support what you're doing? So our, our first round is closed, but we would love to have the next round and we'd love to build, build out. So um, I'd say that we're, we're findable at undaunted, um, under, I guess it's an underscore. I don't know. The under yeah. project is our Instagram handle. And there are links there where you can pledge athletes and any athlete that is pledged now going forward will, will raise funds for the next, for the next round, which, which we want to launch. Um, and that's, that's definitely a big one. Um, the other thing that you can do is reach out to us. Um, if you have industry or company connections that might want to help us bridge out to the next group. We're also thinking about running some events, um, like in live events during the summertime. So we'd love to, to pair up with local communities, um, rides, bike shops, to, to run things to support people on a local level. Great. Okay. So if you're listening, subscribers, we know you're all very passionate about women's cycling, obviously, otherwise you wouldn't be here. So if you can help or you want to support, then you know where to go. Um, so I guess that just leaves us to say thank you so much for your time today, Cara, and good luck with it all because it's, yeah, it's a fantastic project and it's a really great initiative that's very necessary within women's cycling. So congrats on the launch and good luck with the rest of it. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for everything you are doing to promote women's cycling. It is, it's super awesome to talk to you and to see what you guys are doing. I can't believe you have... I guess I can believe, but your base is, it's, it's encouraging that this many people care about the sport. Yeah, definitely. We feel the same way. You know, it's, it's great to see. Yeah. Just, just how many people are are sort of coming on board with, with women cycling at all levels, like we talked about. So we just, we appreciate everybody who supports us and I'm sure you're the same with, with Undaunted too. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Another week where we talk to somebody who runs a kind of 
you know, has got up and set up a really good project for women cycling off their own back and kind of really, yeah, just a passion project that's really helping other women in cycling. So it's really cool. Yeah, and it, I think the same phrase has come up now twice in a week about community building. That's the one thing I noticed. And um, I think that really is an important thing in the world in general, but also in women's cycling. About It is a competitive world, but we can share experiences and expertise and support each other. And I think ultimately that's how the sport grows. Um, so yeah, it's, it is really good to see these things happening. And it's very inspiring for us to see people just starting things off their own back um and yeah i think mentorship and kind of resources for people who who don't you know weren't born in the middle of belgium to a family of pure cyclists and their granddad is like eddie merckx thoroughbreds it is good to have these things and especially as cara said for for older women coming in a bit later who have a lot of talent to bring but need the way to unlock it it's really great so yeah make sure you keep up with with what they're doing yeah, she mentioned everywhere that you can support. And we'll link them in the episode description. And while we're here in person, in this rare occasion, um, we've actually got something kind of different, kind of special for next week because it's actually the two-year anniversary of Women's Cycling Weekly. So we're going to record a slightly different podcast Um maybe we'll do a bit of a Q&A we ask for questions in the newsletter so there's still time to send those in um, ask us anything like we said literally what's your favourite flavour of cake <laughs> otherwise I'm going to have to go full Emily Maitlis and just grill <laughs> Amy with some really boring questions so yeah if you have any questions about anything we've done yeah that would be lovely literally anything mark the moment a little bit yeah it's been a good two years it has. So, yeah, stay tuned for that next week. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.